to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, November 3rd. Let's talk about this at the top, folks. You know what makes waiting in line to vote that much easier? When you have three Cracked Rackets podcasts to help you pass the time. That's what we wanted to do for all of you Americans out there listening to this podcast right now. Of course, uh, there will be long polling lines in some locations depending on where you are voting, but don't let that dissuade you, folks. This is the one day you get to express your political opinions. It's been said before, but every two years, we get to legally overthrow our government here in the United States if the votes are in your favor. Now, of course, I have political beliefs. None of you want to hear that. All I will simply say is we all want to hear the American people's political beliefs. We want to hear your thoughts, the way you get to go speak those beliefs into action by going to vote, by participating in the democratic process. So if you haven't yet already and you are still eligible to do so, please, 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 please go vote. That is our public service announcement here at Cracked Rackets. I'm sure all of you, though, are sick of seeing those commercials coming up, are sick of, you know, hearing it on and on and on and on, or maybe you're not sick of it. Maybe you have embraced it either way. Uh, Obviously, that is the sort of day we face here in the United States, but thankfully, we have some outstanding tennis to take our mind off of things as we wait for those election returns to start coming back. It was a really fun Monday in the professional tennis world. We've got our final Masters 1000 event of the ATP season going on, the action in Paris, uh, really getting off to a strong start. Obviously, want to break down all of those results on today's podcast. Also want to talk about some of the players we get to see at the challenger level this week. We've got two in action. And then, of course, want to talk about some of the other storylines going on right now in the professional tennis world. Of course, the reason we're able to do this day in, day out here at Cracked Rackets because of the support we not only get from you fantastic listeners from our Patreon family, but of course from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar as well. We say it all the time. What do you want to do? You want to look good? You want to feel good? So that when you go out on the court, you're going to play good. And that's that's where our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar come in. You go to Midwest Sports, you're going to find everything you need from a tennis equipment standpoint on their website, MidwestSports.com. All of the best brands, all of the best deals. You can save a little bit more money in your pocket as well by going uh, by using our promo code CR15 at checkout. You'll let them know we sent you there. Of course, recorded a really fun episode of Getting to the Point, our series with our friends at Aerobar, where we focus on the importance of nutrition and fitness. Actually, this morning that I believe all of you will be able to now hear on the Cracked Interviews podcast feed Dr. Mark Kovacs of the Kovacs Institute of the USTA Alabama Athletic Department. Just, you know, private sports psychologist, coach, analyst, all the different things. Uh, I don't think I need to explain his qualifications to those of you who are listening to this podcast. He joins our Cracked Interview show to talk about the importance of nutrition and fitness in the modern game, how cha- training has changed since his days as an NCAA doubles champion when he played at Auburn. Uh, So be sure to go check that podcast out if that's something you are interested in. I also would point out, we launched a new weekly YouTube series here at Cracked Rackets. It's called The Deciding Deciding Point, excuse me, uh, where we recap it. If I were to describe the deciding point in one pitch, I would say, A, it's a video, compilation is the wrong word, it's a video summarization of our mini break podcast throughout the week. So if you were to condense all seven episodes of a mini break week into one 12-minute YouTube show, maybe the five most prevalent points of the week, that would be the deciding point. It's Jamie McDonald and myself on episode one. I apologize. I am far too scraggly in appearance on the show. The truth is I went to go shave before we recorded and... 
I'm not going to give you the gruesome details of how it broke, but I will say my shaver broke, uh, broke, and it was devastating, and I need to go replace it, and that's something I plan on doing. I don't know if I want to see, be seen in public on election day, but it will certainly be something I do here early in this week. I'm going to get the hairs cut as well. You're going to see a new Alex Gruskin when I am back on for week number two. But anyways, if that's something that interests you, be sure to go check that out. You can find it on our YouTube channel or on our website crackedrackets.com. But with that in mind, let's talk about Monday's matches. And of course, I think the place we got to start and where we're going to spend most of our conversation here today with the action in Paris, uh, because obviously the year's final Masters event, and it features, you know, a sneaky good draw, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. At first, you see all the withdrawals, the notable players who aren't playing at this time of the year, and you think to yourself, okay, maybe this draw is going to be a little bit worse than usual, and we've seen some funky results in Paris, you know, Hatchinov, uh, Sock winning in 2018 and 17 respectively, but, you know, you look at the top 16 seeds here in this event, and you have Rafa as number one, you've got Tsitsipas, Medvedev, Rublev, all of the top players playing this event. Berrettini looking to make a push for the year-end finals. Diego Schwartzman obviously trying to solidify his spot as well. And then you've got a lot of dangerous other players as well who have been playing really well of late, right? Guys like Dimanauer, finalist in Antwerp, Umber, winner in Antwerp. You've got Davidovich Fokina, Borna Chorich, Pablo Carreno Busta, who have all played such good tennis down the home stretch here of 2020, or really since the restart. Uh, it was a loaded day of action and you look overall on the day I believe we had six matches go the distance I believe we had only one of them go to a third set breaker that was uh, ultimately Ugo Umber 7-1 in the breaker over Casper Rude we'll get to that match in a minute but the match I think we have to start with well it's close we could actually start with a bunch of them the one I should say I want to start with Davidovich Fokina over Karen Hatchinov you look at this match and coming into it you know I think it's safe to say Davidovich Fokina was the player in better form. He goes to Cologne and goes semifinals in his first Cologne experience where obviously uh, he ends up losing a match to Alex Zverev. I think it was 5-6. and six. And then in the second uh, round, he's up 6-2-5-2 in the quarterfinals on eventual finalist Diego Schwartzman. Now he blows that lead, but I think we can all safely say Alejandro Davidovich, one of the most improved players, one of the biggest winners of this three-month home stretch stretch of the 2020 season. I mean, really, you look at it since Cincinnati. He lost first-round qualities there to Barrancas, but since that moment, you look at what he has done. You know, he makes round of 16 at the U.S. Open, beating Nori, beating Hercots, beating Dennis Novak. He then goes on to Rome, where he qualifies for the event, which again, given he was coming off of a fourth round at the U.S. Open, that's a victory for him. He wins a match before losing to Rublev in four at the French Open. Then he has those two results in Cologne. Now here, Again, he qualifies, he beats Lorenzi, he beats Caruso, and now he gets a three-set win over Karen Hatchinov. I just think, objectively, he's probably been one of the 30 best players since the tour has restarted. And I know 30 is a big tent for him to fall under, but he's 21 years old, and he has had this level of success. It's just, A... It's an eye test thing. You love the way he competes. He seems to get under the skin of every opponent he plays, and he just makes that extra ball. He does have a flair for the dramatic, but he uses his speed to, you know, he wants to hit an on-the-run passing shot sometimes. That's why he'll float the slice. That's why he'll throw in a drop shot. But, you know, he has the speed to track down those shots. I think his forehand is an absolute weapon, and, you know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. He's a generous six foot, six one, six two, maybe, uh, but just a 
quick twitch athlete through and through. The firepower, the pop, his willingness to go down the line, his ability to make a match physical and play cross court. This is just a really good performance for him over Karen Hatchnov. He made 75% of his first serves, win 69% of those points, 52%, 11 of 21, but again, only 21 points on the second serve over the course of this three set match. Most importantly, after dropping the second set to Hatchnov, he comes right out and breaks Hatchnov to kick off the third. And look, for Hatchnov, it's been a struggle here down this home stretch. I think it's fair to say. And you look for him, what did he struggle with today in particular? Nine of 26 on second serve points. That's just never going to get the job done. And so, unfortunately for uh, Karen Hatchnov, you know, he's still going to be looking for answers. Will he play next week in Sofia? I can't imagine so. But, you know, physically, it's just. The physical component is still there. He can still track down the extra ball, six foot six for his size, the way he moves. It's really impressive. And obviously, when he's clicking the serve, the forehand, they can be weapons, but. It's the lack of plan B. It's the fact that so often it just seems like he's floating out there, that he's just trying to make balls, that he always seems to be struggling to find his rhythm, that, you know, what does Karen Hachinov's best tennis look like? Probably big serving, big plus one forehand tennis, but what's the, you know, what's plan B? What does it look like when things go wrong? And so often it just seems like he's kind of flailing out there, kind of just making balls a little bit aimless. And so again, I think all of the physical stills are still there. I think he absolutely has the game to be a presence in the top 10 throughout the majority of this 2020s decade, but it was not a great home stretch for Karen Hatchnov. Again, that second serve just floating there. Davidovich Fokina able to play aggressive with that ball, take control of the point, get Hatchnov on his back foot. And, you know, you just expect Hatchnov enough to win a match like this. Unfortunately, Davidovich Fokina, too good on this day. He actually, maybe you don't expect Hatchinov to win a match like this. Clearly, Davidovich Fokina had more of the momentum on his side, and ultimately, he's able to capture the match in three. That was a phenomenal result. Of course, you look at some of the other three setters on the day. You know, Marin Cilic, 6-0-3-6-6-3 against Felix Ogier Aliasim. It just wasn't the best day for Felix. I mean, it just was sort of sloppy play. You could tell early on, I mean, there were just so many first ball errors. And I mean, in this match, he only makes 59% of his first serves, 15 of 34 on second serve points, faces 13 break points. But it was really impressive the way he was able to, you know, evaporate, I should evaporate. He was able to erase, hey, great shot to me, uh, that first set from his memory and really did have a chance against Chilich in the third. But credit to Chilich, man. These courts are playing pretty slow. He did a really good job of finding the FAA backhand, getting him stretched, understanding that when FAA gets an inside-in forehand, he's going to go inside-in because he wants to open up the court for himself. Chilich did a good job anticipating that ball, using his length to cut it off to beat FAA to the spot. This was a really good performance for Marin Cilic. 62% of his first serves go in. He's 42 of 59 on first serve points. Saved seven of the nine break points he faced. Again, raced off to that first set. And if this was a three out of five match, do I think FAA could have won it? Honestly, I really do. Uh, but that was a good victory for Cilic, who's just searching for victories at this point. I mean, for Marin Cilic, let's look at his record real quick. What has he done since the return to play in Cologne? First round loss to Stevie J, uh, part two. In Cologne, part one, beats Marin 
Marcos Giron in three loses to Davidovich Fokina in three French Open first round loss to team in Rome round of 16 beat Bublik beat GoFan US Open third round loses to team okay okay Marin Cilic I disrespected you there I apologize he's been better than I expected he's not top 10 Marin Cilic anymore but could he still be top 30 you know top 20 Marin Cilic maybe why not and so with that in mind wow a quote from Marin Cilic to essentially sports I haven't reached my peak still I think that's probably incorrect but hey you got to sell. If you can't sell yourself, who can, Who else can you sell? So credit to Marin Cilic, I suppose. Very, very good win for him here over FAA. The other three setters on the day. Giron, a three-set victory for him. Uh, 6-3, 4-6, 6-1 over Albert Ramos. Vinoles, Quarantine Mutea, dramatic 3-6-7-6-6-3 victory over Salvatore Caruso. Radu Elbot continuing the rough down of the year stretch for Hubi Hercots. Uh, Elbot beating Hercots 7-5-6-7-6-4 yesterday for Hubi. Just continues to struggle with the second serve with his confidence as well. He just seems to be playing too passive. And you know, he's got a lot of different things he can do, but he's a guy who you wonder, what does Hubi Hercots's best tennis look like? What does it look like when he's asserting himself? And you know, you'd like to think when he's using his variety, taking down, balls down the line, moving forward, but he's He's a guy who can do a lot of things well. I'm not sure what he does you know, exceptional yet. I don't know what his plan A is. I don't know what his biggest strength is. I very much look forward to seeing it, though, because, again, he's a guy, despite this home stretch, despite the one-step-forward, two-steps-back set sort of year he's had, I continue to be very excited about his upside, and I imagine I speak for all of us tennis fans when I say that as well. So, you know, tough result for him, but still, he moves on. I mentioned Giron, a three-set winner over ARV. We also had uh, the last three-set match over of the day. Ugo Umber, 4-6-6-2-7-6 over Kasparud. This match was delightful, and you know, there's this, I don't want to say misconception, misperception, because really not that many people have said it, but to anyone who's curious, is Kasparud just going to be a clay court specialist? Obviously, it's the surface he's had the most success on his career in his career thus far. That's where his ATP title came, but... I liked the way he looked today. I think that forehand is heavy enough. There's enough action on that ball that it doesn't matter if it's an indoor hardcourt, outdoor hardcourt. He's going to be able to get into his plays. He's going to be able to, uh, you know, just physically wear opponents down. Now, credit to Ugo Umber in this match, who in set two and set three started taking the ball a little bit earlier, using Root's spin against him, beating him to the spot, and just kind of taking that ball big down the line, moving forward behind it. But this was a delightful match, and if this is the sort of rivalries we can expect from the next gen, if there are just going to be casual round of 16 battles between Umber and Rude or you know quarterfinal matches at Masters events, uh, the game is going to be in a really healthy place. So that was a really fun three-set battle as well. Ultimately, Umber, who you could just tell, by the way, in that third-set tiebreaker, all of the confidence for him uh, in effect there. I mean, you know, he's won and played and won so many big matches of late. And clearly, that's it's those little things. When the tennis is equal, it's who's the more confident player in the bigger moments. And on this day, it was Ugo Umber. So credit to him for the three-set victory. In terms of your other winners on the day, uh, no other seeds upset. We do have a ton of lucky losers in the draw, I suppose, though. But, you know, you look at the seeds who won today. Pablo Carreno Busta, 3-2 and two over French wildcard. Ugo Gaston. 
Montreal, Borna Chorch, really good 6-1 win over a dangerous Martin Fucevic, Alex Diemenauer, 4-4 four four over Travaglia, your other winners on the day, Bonzi, Gambos, Feliciano Lopez, who by the way, with his victory, Feliciano Lopez becomes the oldest player to win a match in Paris since Jimmy Connors in 1991, who was only two weeks older than Feliciano Lopez is now. He's also the fourth player to win a match in a Masters 1000 tournament after turning 39, joining Jimmy Connors, Tommy Haas, and Ivo Karlovic. Of course, you can all guess it. That stat coming from at Luca Beck. Another fun Feliciano Lopez stat. The first time Feliciano Lopez played Paris, his opponents were A, Federico Correa's brother, and B, Denis Shapovalov's coach. So, that's pretty funny. That just shows you Feliciano Lopez, ageless wonder. And again, if you have hair that looks that good at that age, bravo to you. I'm shedding in between every podcast. I like refuse to, it's not that I refuse to shower. It's that every shower I'm a little bit more nervous because I go to put shampoo in my hair and I'm like, I shouldn't be yanking out this many hairs. Anyways, that's a me problem that I'll deal with later on in the future. But, you know, you look here again in Paris down the home stretch, the other winners quickly, Jan Leonard Struff, Jordan Thompson. But what are we playing for this week? Obviously, one of the big things on everyone's mind, uh, what is the, uh, or who's going to qualify, I should say, for the year-end finals. I should also say, by the way, for the first time since 1990, there will be no former champions of the Masters 1000 in Paris in the second round. That's always interesting. But your scenarios remaining for who can qualify, there are a couple of players in play, obviously, and we've talked about this before. As of right now, Diego Schwartzman with a fairly comfortable lead on the rest of the field, but you start to look at what the other guys need to do uh, for Matteo Berrettini. He needs to make the semifinals and have Diego Schwartzman fall. Uh, for, uh, I believe David Goffin already lost as of the time I'm recording this. He needed to have made the final. Pablo Creno Busta must win Paris. Milos Raonic must win Paris. And I believe Stan Wawrinka must also win Paris uh, if he is to have a shot to do it. But Again, uh, overall, some really fun tennis down the home stretch. Really cool matches set up for Tuesday. I I hope uh, you all are listening to our GSP Aces of the Day. If you want to hear my thoughts previewing all of those matches, expecting a lot of matches to go three sets, and I believe that is what we have seen thus far. So, uh, obviously, again... Uh, be sure to go check that podcast out. Uh, some really fun matches on the day. Tsitsipas going to take on uh, Ugo Umber, so that should be... A really fun battle. Last thing on Paris quickly, we learned uh, over these past couple of days yesterday that Joe Salisbury, the doubles player, was withdrawn from the main draw after he tested positive from COVID. We also learned this morning, Quarantine Moutet, who was a winner yesterday, he also tested positive for COVID-19. He was moved into isolation, uh, and the tournament continues to monitor his position. Of course, uh, that means Moutet withdrawn from this event, but look, we are now having an active COVID, I don't want to say breakout, it's two players, but this tournament is ongoing. It's an indoor event, and we are continuing to play it, and we are seeing players get COVID-19, and we are just praying, obviously, that this doesn't spread throughout the draw, but it's absolutely something to monitor. This was always going to be a concern, particularly as we got into the indoor portion, the home stretch of the season. It's why so many WTA events, outside of the fact that China just banned the events entirely, or said no more outside professional events for the rest of the season, uh, but it's why we were also concerned that something like this could happen, so hopefully in 
and you know it's clear the ATP has a plan in place the second he got the positive test he was withdrawn from the field put into isolation just hopefully again they are able to ensure the safety and health of everyone participating in the event and that is of course a storyline we will continue to monitor uh, throughout the week but that's the action in Paris let's move now uh, let's move on now quickly to the challenger ranks where again we had some really fun results on Tuesday's matches did have a couple of seeds go down in Parma we saw Nikola Milojevic the number six seed lose a six and five battle to Constant Lestien we also saw uh, number one seed Gregoire Barrer win his match seven six seven six over Evgeny Karlovsky that was a fun one your other winners on the day Maxime Cressy Andrea Arnabaldi Liam Brody Federico Silva Luca Vani and Matteo Viola they uh, those were your first round matches in Parma of course should be a really fun day today as we've got a bunch of other seeds in action overall you look at who is in play here on Tuesday you know a, a bunch of Italians in play as well but you've also got Holger Rune JJ Wolf Kimmer Copenhagen Cedric Steeb Lorenzo Musetti of course it should be a really fun day of action in Parma of course over in Germany where they're playing on the indoor hardcore uh, indoor carpets excuse me you saw number 18 Martin Klezan go down but other than him Donskoy Korda uh, Matt Rosenkranz Johannes Hertis uh, Zdenek Kolar Marvin Muller Ramkumar Ramanathan and Max Renz Riberg uh, all winners on the day by the way a quick note on Max Hans Riberg he won his first ATP challenger match today and is the first player born in 2003 to win a challenger match at the indoor level Max Hans Renberg uh, does it here obviously Alcaraz Rune Machizuki also guys born in 2003 who have won challenger matches but they've yet to do it indoors and so of course again all of that action uh, across in Hamburg in uh in Hamburg and in uh, Parma, excuse me, all available to be found on livestream.com slash ATP should you need to get your tennis fixed throughout the day. Uh, with the challengers in mind, though, let's talk quickly about the other storylines right now in tennis. Big news from the challenger tour. They announced the rest of their dates for the rest of this season. It looks like we will have, I believe, uh, 11 more challengers this season. Uh, this week, we've got, obviously, Parma and Germany. Next week, another American challenge. The action in Kerry kicking off. I know I speak for all of us fans here in America. So excited to get our man Mike Cation back on the call. So excited to watch that action unfold. Of course, you've also got the action in Slovakia next week. After that, you've got Orlando, Ecuador, and Italy. You've got uh, Peru and Brazil. You've got Portugal and Brazil after that. So again, we've got 11 to go down this home stretch. You can only imagine what the rankings cutoffs are going to be for those events. It's going to be nuts, folks. So that is going to be really fun to watch. couple of other things. for the, uh, Some of you may remember on the Great Shot podcast, was it last week, two weeks ago? Who knows at this this point, I had the immense opportunity, incredible opportunity to bring back my friend and not Gil Gross's, uh, Brett McCormick of Sports Business Journal to talk about the ATP strategic plan moving forward. He also had the opportunity to speak with the USTA and the American 250 tournament directors about that ATP strategic plan and the concerns they may have. You know, he got to speak with head of professional tennis, Stacey Allister. He got to talk uh, with all of these different players again about what they see as the flaws potentially of the strategic plan 
what aspects they might, uh, what they like, what they don't like. It, it's a phenomenal piece, and it's free at Sports Business Daily, so be sure to go check that out if the business of tennis is something that interests you. Uh, of course, you know, we had uh, just, you know, some one last thing quickly, some really fun news for us here at Cracked Rackets. We are so excited, so thrilled to have the opportunity to be expanding our staff, and that's exactly what we announced on Monday. We are so thrilled to be bringing on both Judson Judson Wall and David Gertler onto our Cracked Rackets team. They're going to be joining as staff writers. They're going to be writing about all different aspects of the tour, whether it be what's happening week by week, whether it be the young guys we find most promising, that and so much more. So be on the lookout for all of their work, which again, we are all so excited to see unfold. I believe Judson's first article previewing the week ahead, recapping last week's action in the professional tennis world, now available on our website. So be sure to go check that out at crackedrackets.com. But of course, again, things continue here this week. The action in Paris, the biggest storylines in tennis, they're not going anywhere. And so, of course, we will be following all of it here at Cracked Rackets. If you have missed any of our content, be sure to hop over to our website, crackedrackets.com. You need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I am at GreatShotPod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fliegner and Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job they do day in day out shout out of course as well to our friends at midwest sports and aerobar go to midwestsports.com use the promo code cr15 go to aerobar.com use the promo code cracked 15 uh, but with that in mind for our friends at midwest sports and aerobar our super producers max fligner daniel westoff and all of us here at both cracked rackets and the tennis channel podcast network i'm your host alex gruskin uh you know what we say folks that's the break and we will see you all tomorrow don't forget to vote please Oh,